Hey there guys, real quick, this is the Elder Daedalus, co-host of the Daedalus Podcast. Today, I'm here to tell you a little something about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and let me go ahead and explain. First of all, it is free, there's no upfront cost, it doesn't cost anything. It's a great way to get started. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer, literally if you're on the go, if you're at school, if you are hiding in the restroom while you're at work, if you're stalking your ex-girlfriend. You can literally make a podcast from anywhere. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other streaming platforms. Hey, great way to get it out, right? You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That means that your Uncle Randy, who was twice removed, can help you make a buck. Or a creepy Father John, who you chose to stop talking to for many reasons, can even help you make a buck. It's that simple. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is anchor.fm. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's get back to the show. Hey there, how's it going? I am the Elder Dadless here with The Great Communicator. This episode, we are going to be focusing on something that is greatly discussed amongst Redditors and internet sleuths, YouTubers, vloggers of every kind. Um, We will get back to you soon, right after this. That's gonna be the break. really good. What is this? Are you trying to trick me? Wait, just wait. When does it get good? What's up there, little homie? Am I ready to do this? Yeah, man, I'm ready. In this world, if you can't swim, you found the dresser. And if you fall, you better pick your punk ass up. That's right. And the rest of y'all, Wanda, the ready? Don't cut him no slack. Hey, break yo! You're going nowhere! What? I got you for three minutes! Three minutes of heat time! You got no backup here. I'm calling it Veronica. Veronica, give me a hand. Y'all fools get busy. Three. It's clobbering time. Alright, hey there, how's it going? Uh, Welcome back to the Dallas Podcast again. uh, We're back at the top of the show. We mentioned that today we are going to be getting into a kind of serious subject, kind of problematic subject. Um, Spoilers ahead. Maybe not spoilers, but trigger warning, I guess you would say. Um, Contextually, the subject that we're focusing on today, some people um, may find it... uh, triggering for lack of better terms but you have to understand that the the subject itself is um the subject itself is serious although you know we try to be as as satirical and as and as uh light-hearted as we can it's some it's something definitely worth uh discussing so i'm glad that we could uh sit down to do the episode before we actually jump in i wanted to mention a big shout out to our Facebook community. We've hit two milestones now within uh, about a month span, which is fucking ridiculous. 
it's it's crazy to see that we've actually had like a really positive outpouring of people that are genuinely like enthused by what we're doing now. It's just cool. You know, I, I wouldn't say that uh, we've built up a fan base because I feel like um, throwing something like that out there, labeling it as such would uh, would invoke like a kind of a, a, st a status. It's like we don't have fans. We are reaching out to people that are like minded and of that like the same things as we do. So, I mean, that's that's really cool. I'm, I'm glad exactly as you know, it, it it's building up to be what uh, what it is a, a community. And that's that's genuinely like uh, really cool. I hope you guys enjoy the show as as it you know goes on and, and we keep uh, coming out with episodes and, and different things that we talk about. Um, this one being a more serious subject again, but um, I mean, not to say that we can't make light of it. I'll do my best to make the audience laugh here. I don't. <laughs> but um, uh, at the risk of possibly getting canceled. We'll see. No, I'm. No, pretty serious. I mean, but yeah, you know, I might make a joke or two. Pretty serious. But I mean, you have to think we're discussing it for a reason um, because it, it is definitely like worth it's worth talking about. So right before this, I reached out to you. I gave you the basic gist of the subject. Um, a little backstory to that. What prompted the actual idea of, of the, uh, of the subject for the episode today, I was listening to another podcast and a fan wrote in, in response to uh, a segment that was going on. And, um, I kind of, I, I really absorbed the question and I wanted to ask you the same thing. And then that's how I was going to jump into, uh, like what we're talking about. So, um, because it, it does have to do with like real close to things that we're into. Harry Potter, when you think of Gringotts and the inhabitants of Gringotts and the 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 um the the beings I will say uh that are basically running Gringotts, what do you think of? I think of the I'm drawing a blank. I'm a huge fan and I feel stupid right now, but I'm drawing a blank. Uh goblins, right? Mm -hmm. Goblins uh you know, what's his name? Uh, Grip Hook. And, and, you know, I don't know. I just think of the goblins. I don't know. It's kind of hard to, to really answer that. I just think of the goblins. So it, in terms of the subject, the response the response to the, the setting of Gringotts, when you think of Harry Potter and you think of the wizarding world, you think of the setting being set in lore. Right. So you think of, of uh, goblins and um, trolls. Um, you know, enchanted chess pieces. You think of uh, howlers and owls. What was brought up was the idea of contextually, when you think of Gringotts and you think of goblins and you think that they are a, uh, a species, I guess, air quotes, species, of, of inhabitant of this business, contextually, does it bring up undertones of certain racial depictions of certain ethnicities and so this t -t 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 today junior come on spit it out let's let's hear what you're do you get jew vibes <laughs> from <laughs> from gringotts and the 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 goblins that run gringotts i <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. It's, it's a serious. It's a serious subject, but I just I, you know the funny thing is, from the beginning when you when you ask what do you think about you know goblins, 
I thought, okay, we're talking about race. We're talking about Gringotts. It's a bank within the Harry Potter world. And I'm thinking, is it? Are we talking a depiction of of a possible, you know, Jewish characteristics? Uh, you know, the stereotypes are out there of you know, uh, you know, with with Jewish people being uh, uh, possibly like greedy, or they're the ones who run banks, or they run financial institutions. That's what led to a lot of the anger towards the Jewish people on uh, from the Germans during that whole time frame. And so I can see where some may make that connection. In all honesty, before you asked the question, it never once entered my mind. Right. Just because I think goblins and I think those goblins, you know, in some way, shape or form depict other goblins from different shows we may have seen, you know? And so I'm thinking, oh, they're just another version of goblins. I never thought that they may be sharing characteristics with a certain race in the real world. Cause I wasn't looking for that. I'm just thinking, Oh, cool. Goblins. Look at the, the, uh, the unicorns and the, the half man, half giant. And you know, all these other creatures that inhabit the wizarding world. So my brain isn't looking for stuff like that. I'm just thinking, wow, that's, you know, another another magical creature. <laughs> so that being said, again, you know, as a fan, especially of a, a franchise that's so, I feel like that's so ingrained now in in um, in pop culture and in, uh, within the demographic of adult that we are anyway, uh, being that uh, I think the, the Harry Potter series itself started in 97, um, leading up to like early 2010s, like the early 2010s. So I believe the first movie came out in 2000 or 2001 with the first book being published. That may in, have been, I want to say 98. That would have, okay. So the earth, the later nineties, I think would have been the book. Yeah, I think you're correct, but, or uh, I'd say you're correct anyway. Um, this is where it really clicked with me as a fan. It isn't the first thing that I've thought of. It isn't the first thing at, at all that would have came to mind. Like, Hey, there's Jews running this bank, um, and that's and that's because the uh, the connection was made to old old you know SS propaganda depicting Jews, um, which the way I see it, based on on what the hosts of the podcast were were saying, as fans of the genre, never once did it come across their mind either. We took in the franchise as children and grew with it into young adults. And I mean, the connection could be made there, but it's also kind of, are the connections actually there or is there the way that was said, is, is it just more of like a, an ultra liberal kind of mindset that's going into this? Um, not, to, not to be like overly political about it, but is, is there a certain mindset going into like what you're seeing? Because I don't connect that because I've always been a fan of, of the, the type of uh, European folklore that has to do with fairies and, and you know, um, like uh, trolls and... and uh, Dragons, know. knights. Yeah, and, you know, I think of like, I'm thinking of like Dio in Holy Diver where he's running around, you know, all the Dungeons and Dragons with the sword fucking throwing up the horns and, and slaying demons and shit. Um, you know, also coming from a fan of, uh, like now in more modern setting with like the Witcher and, um, 
like Game of Thrones, uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, I mean, although the, the book series itself is old, but um, being that it's another medium that we absorbed as kids because it was like, you know, cinematic and whatnot with The Hobbit as well. Um, I'm a fan of this kind of, you know, of this kind of uh, subject anyway. Right. Um, so I, by no means did I make that connection. Um, but I mean, the same way that, the same way again that that the hosts of the podcast made the connection they were like if you're getting real jew vibes off of what you're seeing in this movie there may be something like up with you and like the way you're feeling because it's i mean it's not it's not something that's like triggering right away to certain people you know so i think at the root of this whole you know issue is Obviously, the over-politicalization of everything with, you know, wanting to do the right thing. So that's that's at the core of, of what liberals try and do, right? They, they feel they're trying to do the right thing. They feel they're trying to bring justice for everyone. They want equality. That Those are good principles to have. And, and uh, you know, disclaimer, I'm neither left nor right. Um, I can see values in both both different, you know sides of of views in different aspects of politics or issues but the liberal the liberal aim at its core is to try and you know better society or better things for everybody but the communication can sometimes come off you know the wrong way when you do something in a hostile manner people are gonna react defensively and that's where you get this that's racist and then the, that's not racist. You've gone at it in a hostile sense. So then it's received defensively. Whereas if instead of being like, hey, you know, do you think this might maybe come off a little bit racist? You know, that's different than you're a racist and everything you do deserves to be erased from the planet of the earth. And you should never be allowed to do anything ever again. But that's the that's the small minority. I feel like. The small minorities are very loud on the internet and everyone else just takes it and runs with it. You can see a hundred tweets sharing strong language against one thing or another. In reality, that's just a hundred people out of how many millions of people? Well, because, and, and so this is where it falls into, um, it, it gets blurred between, I mean, I hate to say agendas, but you know, when does it become general concern and when does it fall into um, almost a fad of signaling? Um, because cancel culture is really prevalent right now. And there are things that should be focused on. And there are things that are, I feel like, abused or misconstrued that, you know, people weaponize. Um, one thing currently, like we were talking about before, before this off mic, is uh, Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss currently six books aren't going to be published anymore. And that's because based on this article from CNN. Um, Uh-oh. They, quote, portray people in ways that are hurtful and wrong. Um, these six books are, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street, If I Ran the Zoo, McElligot's Pool, On Beyond Zebra, Scrambled Eggs Super, The Cat's Quizzer. I just want to point out before you dig deeper. I've never heard of any of these fucking books. Exactly. And I'm sure most people haven't either. So there's, there's a big issue being made of it. And when in all reality, who gives a fuck? No one knew about any of those and books. So I'm like, it really took 
some eagle-eyed fucking... <laughs> 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 it really took... And this is not to target anybody. We're not trying to offend anybody. I mean, it, it's... There are things that should be pointed out and, you know, as and brought to attention. And there are other things that are... Like, why? Overreaction. Why? You know, and because... It, as as much as people don't want to tell the you know they don't want to uh, speak their truth about certain things, cancel culture now very much is a fad. Cancel culture now is something along the lines of like being overtly um, like visible about like I'm a, I'm an ally and yeah we gotta you know fuck the patriarchy and white people. It's like this this is like a blanket statement for a lot of things that. Are you know it's it's just something that's blown out of proportion. Honestly, uh, and I mean I don't know. I think it's not the case for everybody, but for some people, cancel culture is very much a way for white people to feel better about themselves because they feel guilty or something that minorities are going through some something or going through injustices, and so they're like, my way of helping is being mad on behalf of minorities and so you can have someone who's white being super offended by something and then the person that they're trying to defend is laughing at it and they're like no it's no big deal and and then also the fact that it's not going to affect everybody the right the same way right so something that may be a racist depiction or may come off as a racist depiction of for example african-americans not every single African-American is going to perceive it that way. Because when we think of racism, we're thinking in terms of groups. But we forget that individuals make up these groups. And so not all minorities are going to be offended by this or not everyone's going to be offended by that. Some will think it's okay, some will not. And so I think it's important to not forget the individuals. Because if you're trying to fight racism, you're trying to say look at the person and not the race, right? And so I think it's important that we maintain at least some form of individuality and, and not get so caught up in fighting racism that we then limit our minds and our conversations to groups as a whole. And I mean, it's also like, as much as I hate to say it, because it's a, a lot of it is like regurgitated through, a, you know, different mediums. Um, it's a sign of the times, bro, because... Now, there are kids who didn't grow up the same way that we did, who kind of, like, spout a lot of this shit off that are, you know, like, that really are, like, hashtag, you're fucking canceled, buddy. And, um... Rest in peace, Jeremy Renner. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, like, for example, I, in the time period that I grew up, there was a lot of... I'm not gonna, I don't know, I think of the word indoctrination, but there isn't, it's, that's the totally the fucking wrong word. A lot of influence, uh, when I was a kid, in, you know, growing up in the, uh... Please guess, excuse the, the background the noise, background by the noise. way. Sorry about that. Uh, we, we are in a... We're in a garage. <laughs> yeah, we're in a garage in, a, in, in someone's house, and so it's, you're gonna hear some noise from outside sometimes. Sorry about that. We'll clean that up. Um, but growing up in the time, like, period that I did... I grew up, you know, I was born in, in 1990. I grew up, uh, for uh, lack of better terms, in the mid-90s. As much as I am like, oh, fucking 90 kids. Um, okay, boomer. A, lo <laughs> <laughs> a lot of what was around for us was, um, it was a lot of like, it was almost like a, a prime time in hip-hop, you know? 
I grew I grew up with a lot of uh, you know the hip hop coming out of the 80s into the 90s with the introduction of backpack and boom bap uh, and like underground rap and having certain influences especially through mediums like skateboarding I keep saying mediums I don't know why I just fucking it's one of the what do they call those uh, it's like you you hear a term and then you fucking just keep like reusing it in conversation but uh, I'm not doing that's it on, okay it works I'm not doing it on purpose it works. But with certain influences like skateboarding, which was really heavily influenced on me, which I just picked up recently again, <clears throat> I might get hurt. Um, <laughs> um, if you if something happens to you, I will pick up the mantle I, of the elder dad. <laughs> yeah, whoever's <laughs> next in line, dude. Um, there were influence of, of there were heavy influences of rock and hip hop at the time, and so you know I grew up with kids and trigger warning but i'm not trying to offend anybody but i grew up with a lot of kids being like my nigga i can say this with you because we're in this group now and these are the things that are this is the way that we're acting with each other coming out of high school coming out of into like i guess my early 20s into like my mid 20s can't say that shit no more i can't you know i still have people that i'm in contact with that will still hit me up and are still like what's good with you but it's like, this is something that we've built with each other. This is a relationship that we have that when they reach out and they like, I'm not going to say that I, I don't convey the same kind of like um, relationship that they're conveying to me in conversation, because this is just the, this is what we're used to. You know, we're back in the day, air quotes. It was allowed because someone like grandfathered you and they're like, I'll vouch for him. He could say it. It's like, we can't anymore, though, because you don't know who who um, it's going to set off and who it isn't. On the other side of that, I'm not going to walk up to someone and be like, what's up, you fucking mojado? Because it's not, it's not the same thing. It's problematic. 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 <laughs> These kids. Bro, I hear the way that kids talk like now. They do. Oh my God. I'm pretty kids. sure more white kids throw out the N-word than, than African-Americans do. Like Just kids in general. Dude, my, my sister is nine years younger than me. She talks so like... <laughs> When I when I hear her speak, my reaction is like, you speak so fucking terrible. Like you speak ugly. You talk really fucking ugly in comparison to like again, for example, like the way that like we like when I was a kid, the way that we would talk to each other, you fucking talk real ugly. Like the way that kids like interact with each other, it's like it's not flattering, dude. It's ugly. Like it's not good. Well, I mean, no, that's a bad example. I'm not going to use it. Um, <laughs> that's a write-off. Um, it's just, there are certain things that are okayed, and there are certain things that aren't okayed. And then if, you know, if they're not okayed by a target demographic, that that's, you know, it, it equals out to a, a fucking cancel. You know, we will cancel you. Um, well, and then it's, it's, it's really tricky, because then how does one deem what's okay and not okay? It's not like there's a council, like... Hey, Jose and uh, Elder Dad, uh, you guys are of Hispanic heritage. We would like for you to join the Council of the Hispanic Offensive Committee of Approval or some bullshit. And then we just sit on this council and we're like, yeah, no, that show's cool. It gets to stay. Uh, oh, this celebrity said that. Oh, cancel him. There's so many individuals that make up the group. That it's really hard to determine what is and, and isn't, you know, and some things are egregious and obvious. And obviously those things are, you know, they're pretty easy to spot. 
others are in a gray area. And, and it's also tricky because you have different generations determining what is and isn't okay. Because, you know, we grew up listening to comedians like... Uh, you had guys like Dave Chappelle. You had guys like Carlos Mencia. Oh, Mencia was the you most... Had, um, well, like I was a big like Chris Rock fan. Yeah. I was heavily influenced, but because this was like a phase that I went through, almost like an awakening in my life where I had a very heavily uh, like a culture awakening in which I became very like pro-Latino. Uh, almost in the way, and I'm not saying that it's bad, but the way that there is an awakening now, I mean, I think it's like generational, but where it's like, um, it's like, oh, you know, we have to be, you have mediums. Fuck, I keep saying it. You have... Um, <laughs> put a little sound effect just, after, and every time you whoa, say mediums, whoa. put a little counter. <laughs> Ding! Uh, Ding! You have, you have certain platforms like, um, like Me Too and Pero Like that are very pro, you know, Latino. And then you have other things for like African-American kids and, uh, you know, other things that highlight like um, LGBTQ, you know, individuals and whatnot. But I had an awakening, a cultural awakening, where I was very like pro-Latino and I was going to like lectures and fucking art shows and, and these speeches that weren't speeches. They ended up being fucking poetry and, and, and book discussions and shit. And um, I was very into like, I went and looked into like Latino comedians and I was buying, you know, fucking compilations of, of you know, Latino comedy jam to 95 and uh, Kings of Latin comedy number one. And, you know, I had guys like George Lopez and, and, uh, Freddie Soto and what's that guy, um, uh, Alex, Alex, Ray, uh, Alex Raimundo, Raimundo, the redneck. So funny, dude. Love that so guy. So funny. And he's a fucking fine line to cross, dude. <laughs> because, early, and like I said, I had a DVD that was, um, I want to say that it was the the Latin Kings of Comedy, but uh, Alex Ramundo was on there. And this was like, I want to, I, I want to say from like a fan perspective that this was like the early inception of like the Red Me the Red Mexican. Yeah. Um, like that whole bit, the this this uh, character, you know, and uh, because he was like he's uber Tejano, dude. And he was like, yeah, I'm with my lady, but I'm also putting on the cumbias. And you're like, <laughs> this is Selena with heavy satire. You know, it's yeah. exactly that. And it was funny. And like, I enjoyed it. And then you also had, um, God damn it, I forget his name. But he was, uh, he was a, a Latino kid who grew up in L.A. Where he like avidly talked about like, yeah, my boys, you know, my boy Jamal. And then I got my boy, uh, you know, whoever. Steven. And he's talking about growing up in, like, you know, uh, like, stereotypically, like, East L.A. or something. And, and growing up in, like, this kind of melting pot of different people. But, like, his influences, you know? And he was like, yeah, man, like, I'm Mexican, but I can't speak Spanish. But, like, uh, you know, my parents tell me, like, not to mess around with black people. I don't know that it's, it's as easy now, like, nowadays... Um, to kind of go about it in the same way that like our predecessors did. Um, because again, like you said, we, depending on like the age and who is like deeming what's right and what's wrong. I feel like we grew up in a time that kind of desensitized that for us. So we do fall in a gray area, but now it's more of like a, I guess just the influence, like the cultural influence that it has on younger people because they, they don't want to be doing the wrong thing and they want to like, I don't know, like do, 
do what everybody else is doing. So they're like, yeah, like I, you know, I stand with my boy, you know, Ray Ray from down the street. And and think about the profound influence that Twitter has had on everything. Social because, media in general. I mean, social media is one thing, but Twitter, think about like, you know, one one tweet can go across all platforms because people take a picture of it. And how many times have you seen a meme? I mean, there's a debate in the meme community. Are tweets really memes? But you see tweets all the time across everywhere. And and think about when you see a tweet and it sounds like clever or it's r- really well phrased. And then people start not just sharing or liking the tweet itself, but spreading it across everywhere else. And then it spreads. And then people take this one person's opinion that they have put out onto the Internet. And this one person's opinion spreads like wildfire. And because it's become viral, all of a sudden, everyone thinks that because it's spread, it's valid or it's a fact or it holds more weight. When in reality, the person that sent out that tweet could have been a fucking tweaker or it could have been some 15 year old kid because pictures don't always show who it is, you know. So we're putting so much weight on these little bits and clips of opinions and they spread like wildfire. And because they're so viral, because it's so out there and known by everybody, it then gets more credibility than maybe it should. And I think something people need to start doing is digging into what they're believing, right? You need to validate what you're looking into. You need to actually look at the source or the information yourselves and just be like, oh, I saw on Twitter. Oh, I saw on Instagram. Go to the source and actually look at what you're having an opinion about. How many? Oh, dude, but I. How many I Mexicans or Latino people are out there that actually believe that they get a free pass to say my nigga because they're also a minority? Like, you know yeah, what? It's, come on, it's a lot more prevalent than you would think because, well, it's a bad example, but like where we're from, where I'm from anyway, Mexican kids, just like straight paisa kids that learned English through american culture western culture well no no western culture american culture anyway um i learned my english from dora the explorer through like uh i mean obviously through like tv and movies um but it also goes in part with the music that they're listening to and so you have kids that by no means were ever from the u.s i know a guy whose mom was from uh the same town as my mom in tijuana And they both came over when they were like, they were part of the same group that came over um, way back when. This fucking kid's the same age as me. And he's like, oh, I'm from the Bay. Like, you were never from the fucking... (laughs) I remember when you fucking spoke no English. uh, Like, you by no means were ever from the fucking Bay Area. But it's like, nah, I have a pass because of... Not even, not even because of, of because of the, the the character that he took up for himself, um, which also is like a, another whole side thing because it's like I'm not a you know I'm not this spicy kid from Mexico, or from Mexicali or anything. I'm I'm a you know I'm I'm a I'm a cool urban Mexican kid from the Bay. You know, look at me, <laughs> I got a gun. It's not the case, dude. But um, I I really think that it's it's different. The the influence comes from everywhere. Yeah, you know. But I will segue and say that um, there are lots of things such as like something heavily, it's heavily produced, I guess you would say, but um, that's been around for a long time, which is animation. And animation has been used 
for propaganda and to push certain agendas on people it's been used forever it's been manipulated forever because it's it's i feel like it's such a a malleable subject yeah and um this circles back to the whole thing of you know whether or not green gods depicts um you know a certain ethnicity based on like propaganda that was from back in the day we're the worst at staying on track nah it's cool (laughs) we're circling back one of the main the main focus of the episode today what we're getting to now um is problematic depictions within animation. Harry Potter being the first one that we opened with, but um, that was the opening bit. Let's get into the the meat, the meat of the subject. One of, of what I showed you, my example, were the crows from Dumbo. This was a big one for me because as I got older, it was overtly fucking racist to me. Um, I was like, y'all seen this or what? <laughs> Are you, you are you serious or? So um, I did. I I I got a few, just a few examples that we could go over. Um, but I mean, yeah, this was a big one for me. So the crows from Dumbo. Dumbo uh, premiered in 1942 um, as like a now classic Disney, you know, animated like a like a vault fucking classic. Get it on Blu-ray because we're taking it out of the vault. We're gonna put it back. eBay ebay dude it never goes back is you can find it it's not that hard so the character of the crows is this group of crows in dumbo that are um depicted as old real old fucking timey like jim crow era minstrel depictions of african-americans at the time and this is the way that they they depicted african-americans in this way as like very fucking demeaning very like ignorant and you know otherwise like of lower status, you know? Right. Um, I mean, one of the big examples is like the, the, the Sambo style of depiction. Um, so 1942, uh, Jim Crow laws were still prevalent and were prevalent up until 1965 um, in a lot of Southern states anyway, and were uh, very much fucking enforced. And we're talking like there's still segregation going on. There's still a lot of like otherwise strong arming African-Americans and being that like, you are beneath us as like an, an ethnicity, um, not us Mexicans, but the way that white America saw African Americans. Um, first of all, crow to begin with is a racial slur for an African American. Um, and I try to make that as lighthearted as I can because I that's that's shitty. But first of all, crows depicting a group of African Americans uh, as anthropomorphized animals um the lead crow himself upon researching is named jim crow which was later edited out and was given like some other stupid fucking name um but the initial name of the crow was jim crow um and was voiced by a white actor by the name of cliff edwards who was a a jive talking man dumbo what you doing man you you flying like a fool this is a fucking white guy. <laughs> it's a white guy. This is like Malibu's most wanted. Um, great movie. Uh, great movie. <laughs> <laughs> great movie. But um, they, you're talking about, you know, at a time when white actors would still play these parts of like Mammy and, and go in blackface and play, you know, the the would play the, the character of like, oh, Massa has me outside and, and very like problematic yeah (laughs) um 
and and again it is in comparison to like the animation or the depictions that were were being put out um as sort of like a a light-hearted satirical way to see black people you know and this this is like what was around at the time um there is a note though where Disney is like, but there are some redeeming qualities <laughs> oh, Disney. of the characters. Um, first of all, upon analysis of the group, they are um, intelligent and decent in character. They by no means are um, played up as the term that I found, uh, what is deemed the magic Negro, which is a character who was always there to help the 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 white character in focus that would help them when they needed the help um but you know well, it's like were... that key and pete uh key and peele skit if you, i don't know if you've seen it where it's like uh one's a janitor at the office and the other's like some other position and they're helping this white dude they get into like a magic battle and they're oh, like okay you know what I I'm do. Talking about? i do know it's uh, like there's only room for one magic yeah. <laughs> negro here Another good, another really good example is, uh, and it, it in itself is like social commentary, um, is Django. Whereas Leonardo DiCaprio, being the main antagonist, has Samuel L. Jackson, <laughs> to who is otherwise like the uh, the anger translator, the much like Kim Peele. Um Whereas Samuel L. Jackson is the the. The very like, depending who you ask, is the very like loyal and helpful, you know, like servant to Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, to his character, who's like, Master, who are you gonna? Why is that Negro on a horse? Why, why are you gonna let him sleep in the big house with you? You know, and it's like this is, this is the depiction of someone who is so loyal to his master that he's like, you would do that to yourself, and this is this is the embodiment of that term, Magic Negro, where he's like. Why are you going to let this guy sleep in the big house with you? That's your house. That's where the special people go, the 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 plant the plantation owners um or the white folk anyway. He's like, "Why are you gonna, you're going to let him go in there with you?" Massa? And that so this is what the term magic negro is is um referring to. Referring to, but these crows the way that they are you know, deemed is like, well, they act on to the beat of their own drum and they don't, you know, they don't so much as, as, um, you know, because it's not like Dumbo, Dumbo's going astray. They're like almost, uh, consoling him the whole time, coaching him. They're like, Hey, like you could do it. Very like, uh, Disney's saying, yeah, it's racist, but it's a compliment. So it's not that bad. Like when someone says, you know, some, a stereotype like, Oh, uh, Black people are good at basketball. It's not racist. I'm saying it's a good thing. Like I can't play. Like what? Well, it's still a racist thing to to say. Good, or, you know. But uh, or like Asians are good at math. Like well, like it's it's still a stereotype where it's still racist, positive or negative. You know. So that's Disney's like well, but it's positive. And I mean, all you know. Additionally to that, the whole group itself. So the lead crow is played by a white actor, but the uh, the supporting characters in that group are an actual all-black, uh, like, choir. Like, a pretty prominent choir. Um, but I'm pretty sure, back in the day, 
you get on the phone and you're like, hey, hey there, fast-talking high pants. This is uh, Jimmy down at the Disney. Uh, this is Jimmy No Arms down here at the Disney office. I need. A- wow, Jimmy No Arms. He did great. I need, he an, did all, great for I need a, an all black choir. Tell him to go in the back door because that's the door that they're supposed to use, not the main door. How did Jimmy No Arms pick up the phone? With his mouth. He dropped it on the ground and laid down next to it. <laughs> it's like, Jimmy No Arms here. I'm talking into the phone. I don't have any arms. Using the toe to dial the number. He's like, hey there, Toots. You want to use those pretty hands to dial the number for me? <laughs> don't mind if I womanize you. <laughs> Jimmy No Arms. Women. <laughs> <laughs> Classic character. Today is race. Another day we'll do women. <laughs> hey, happy uh, National Women's Month. Come in. For, come in. Coming, not coming. I'm not coming in anybody. I have two kids. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> um, this is coming from someone who I've said it before. I I was raised by women. Um, you know, we had the question recently that was asked, and I'm sorry that I didn't reply to you, but uh, for the Dallas podcast, we were asked like, why is it called Dadless? And uh, I mean, the long and short of it. It's like, we don't have dads or stable male role models in our lives. So I was, I was raised by women. I didn't have stable men in my life. So naturally happy, uh, happy lady day. So for all, all, all of you, all you, all you, uh, all you ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So anyways, Dumbo depiction, <laughs> uh, Jim Crow and, and the crows. But that's one of those pretty obviously racist. At the time that they made it, they didn't think they would have to face any consequences. And for the most part, they really didn't. You know, it's only later, much, much, much later, that is being criticized. But, I mean, that's from 1942. Another good one, more recently, uh, Pocahontas. My eyes have been opened a little bit more to how they're depicted still in in a not-so-positive way. They're still depicted as TP-living, you know buckskin wearing uh type people in a lot of uh a lot of media these days you know i can talk to the winds you know funny you should bring that up because one of uh the other examples that i wanted to bring up was something that uh came to light to me a a while back and this was a subject that came up in family guy notably in family guy there was a segment where um, the one where Stewie goes back in time and gives the Native Americans guns, so then they end up winning. No, 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 no. I do know what you're talking about, though. <laughs> um, I don't know what the, what the premise of the bit was that, but Peter needed help, and he was like, "Oh, I wish that there was someone here to help me." And then uh, a character by the name of Apache Chief shows up, and he's like, "I'll help you, Peter." And he says, "Enet Chuck," and he grows real big, and then he <laughs> helps Peter do whatever the hell he's doing. Is it the one where Peter goes to the casino and they he ends up betting and loses the house and the car and everything? I don't know. I don't know what what the the premise of the. I just remember the bit was like, "Oh, I better ask Apache Chief." There's also the one where he has the skull of the uh, buried. Oh, uh, um, the poltergeist one. Yeah, the poltergeist. What Peter Geist. But what did he, he called the uh, the skull had a name? I forgot what it was. So Apache Chief, racist or easily misconstrued. Apache Chief was a Native American superhero who was a member of the Super Friends who had the ability to grow 50 feet or larger by saying Inet Chuck, uh, which was explained as the Apache word for big man. 
Don't know if that's fact or not, but I guess that is a statement from Hanna-Barbera when they were, you know, making these, the, the animations anyway. Um, backstory, a little backstory on Apache Chief. Uh, Earth 1A, uh, the history of Apache Chief. While still a young brave, he went for a walk with the chief of his tribe. The two men are unexpectedly attacked by a bear, but the chief, recognizing that the young brave man might be ready for a test, such as this, being the bear, gives the younger man a pouch of special magic powder, which will amplify the user's thoughts and abilities of a hundredfold, or having the resolve to be strong and brave, heeding the chief's advice and whatever uh, was in mind at the time, uses the powder to amplify his powers. Uh, upon sprinkling himself with the powder, he invokes the phrase Enechuk and grows a hundred times larger, stronger, and braver. He disposes of the bear without violence, proving that he's passed the test. Unfortunately, a passerby witnesses the entire affair and steals the dust, using it on herself to become the evil Giganta, though without needing to recite anything the way Apache Chief does. Because the fucking patriarchy. But some of the notable powers as well for Apache Chief. Uh, size altercation, uh, size alteration, I said altercation, size alteration by speaking of Apache Chief, or uh, Inachuk, Apache Chief, grows in size, or but has been known to increase his size to literally cosmic proportions, so he can get bigger than usual. Sixth Sense, Apache Chief has developed the Sixth Sense, uh, which allows him to sense things that normal people cannot. This is where I want you to focus. All right, let's hear it. Other abilities. Tracking. Apache Chief has learned a lot during his time growing up with the Apache people, learning to track more than other, um, or with a heightened sense of tracking than other the individuals around him. The so, winds told me that the bear went to the left. Survival. <laughs> oh my god. Apache Chief can survive in the forest for long periods. <laughs> no. Oh my fucking... Uh, he also the knows, ancestors told me where the water was. He also knows how to communicate with smoke signals. <laughs> oh my god, no. <laughs> smoke signals is a great movie too. Um, teamwork. <laughs> Apache Chief often works with other members. And also multilingualism. Apache Chief is both fluent in English and his native tongue. <laughs> my god. <laughs> and has also been known... To have a uh, connection with nature, being uh, animals and the environment. <laughs> racist or not? I would say racist. <laughs> One of those things you're like, but it's a compliment, but still, still so, pretty racist. So, I again, this is like the this is like the the Disney like blanket, okaying it. Uh, but this, I mean, Hanna Barbera. But Apache Chief came around. At a time where I feel like people were trying to be a little more open-minded, especially being that Hanna-Barbera was one of the animation teams that had like Scooby-Doo, Josie and the Pussycats, that notably had a woman of color as a part of the team. It came from a good place, but it also was still like real. It's like the guy that says, I'm not racist. I voted for Obama twice. Yeah, I, I know a guy. Like, I'm not a racist, but like, like. I'm not racist. If you know me, you know I'm not racist. But, happy Cinco de Mayo, don't tread on me. Why do I have to celebrate your holiday? Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think with, with all that, you know, different times, people will do what they can get away with, regardless of, of the times. And so they, they could get away with it, they were going to do it. I think at the core of it, you, you definitely, you want to support the right things, you want to do the right thing. It's just important to not 
overreact when it's bad and just put all that energy that you waste into maybe overreacting to something like a joke into something a little more serious, you know, because we grew up with a lot of racist humor. I love Family Guy. I love South Park. I love all these shows because it's humor, you know, it's satire. It's making fun of the people that actually put this out into society and, and that's how a lot of people cope is with humor. So I think it's important to not take the humor aspect of a lot of things. You know, look at the intention. Are they making fun of racists or do they think they're being funny by being racist? Yeah, I think, again, I think it's it's one of those things where it is a sign of the age that we're living in because, you know, to to say it again, like not to harp on it, but it's like we came from a different time. We grew through one era and have grown into another era kind of seeing through their eyes but it's also like in a sense it's it's a subject that's easily weaponized and it's also like it's a matter of you know what is wrong what is right you know who who is to say that this is wrong and this is right um you know and do you do it because of uh you know political leanings or do you do it because of um I don't know, like you're trying to gain something from your peers. Like, hey, like I'm I'm a white knight too. I'm trying to do this as much as you are. But it's it's uh, it's it's a, a really prevalent subject now, currently. Yep, and I think you know, with things like like Family Guy is. I mean, there's probably a lot of you know uh, ultra liberal left-leaning people that would love to see shows like like Family Guy or South Park get canceled or want to see that stuff, you know, gone completely. But, I mean, the irony in that is, like, Seth MacFarlane, the guy who makes Family Guy, is super liberal. Super, super extremely, progressive. Super progressive guy. Extremely. And and the stuff that he puts out is just humor. He's He's making fun of these people. And so, you know... You want to talk about shows that have, like, no overt political, um, like, agenda to them? South Park. Literally, um, like, one of the big episodes is when the, uh, what the fuck were they called? Goobacks? The, the, the Mexicans, but they were the immigrants from the future. From the future. And they were like, we have gay sex and we have this big orgy. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, you're talking about, like, they're depicting, like, a, again, like a little mountain town with a bunch of, like, rednecks. And to they they all band together to have a gay orgy to keep these fucking like future beings from coming and taking their jobs. They're taking their jobs. South Park just wants to make fun of anything and everything in society, and it works. South Park isn't scared of the the culture, you know, quote quote unquote. They're not scared of their tag for season twenty was literally cancel South Park. They yeah. they they told cancel culture. I'm on your side. Cancel me right now. Nothing. Their first episode that season was a school shooting. And then it just became a theme through the rest of the season. I think they, because I think that they are, they are a voice of reason where otherwise there isn't a voice of reason. You know what I mean? I agree. They really shed a light on certain subjects in, you know, again, in that vein of like either racism, prejudice, uh, you know, it, ma- it makes fun of the extremes in society that really makes you be like, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to look that stupid. Yeah. And it kind of helps keep things in check, in my opinion. Yeah. They they really hold themselves to like a... Uh, I think they don't take themselves serious. But they're also very serious about like 
vocalizing subjects like this where it's like we're gonna poke fun at him because this is what we have to do to like work through this as a as a group anyway you know and i think this is something we can definitely really dig super deep into even further to where this might even be like a two-parter or a three-parter it's a saga it's an ongoing we should just make this like a recurring a recurring segment like a recurring monthly episode this whole other half this whole other set of notes is easily one whole (laughs) one whole episode because it's like there's such a target on it we basically got one episode out of the fucking intro with harry potter so you know oh the whole the whole this is all about jk rowling there's two pages (laughs) about jk rowling Probably talking about how she's facing cancel culture too, huh? Over her other... She's under fire because of like either like super liberal leaning, um, you know, expressions and why she's not doing things the way that they should be done because fans feel this way. But also like some things are problematic, some things really aren't. It's a matter of of where you're seeing it from, like what lens you're seeing it from. Uh, Harry Potter, the the world that J.K. Rowling has made is fucking problematic because if you're a fan you're not a good person and like i don't know it's just a whole it's a thing it's a thing it's such a like it's such a a clusterfuck the the subject of of harry potter and jk rowling um where i'm like i want dude i watch a harry potter movie like once a week right i love harry potter and i stand with my girl jk she's made some bad decisions based on like Nah, looking you know. through her her stuff, looking through her her laundry that's being aired out, Cho Chang. That's a mix of two Korean last names. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's a thing. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think we this was good. We scratched the surface, but this is something that we can like dive back into. And um, uh, please hold off canceling us until we at least finish this, so we can get everything everything out. You know. <laughs> um, thank you for tuning in. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, again, thank you to the growing community that we have on uh, online, Facebook. And uh, look for us on the socials. We're out there. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you guys for the support, the ongoing support. It's it's amazing to see like the, the leaps and bounds that we've made so far. We've hit two milestones so far uh, within a month. Fucking super. Yeah, again, thank you guys. The Elder. Great communicator. Thank you guys. And we will see you next time. Who are you, really? My name is Diego Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Come for me, Mark! I am a traitor! You are beaten. It is useless to resist. Don't let yourself be destroyed. Offer me everything I ask for. Anything you want. I want my father back, you son of a bitch. I am your father. That's my son! Someone was killed today because of what you did. I know. How about another joke, Murray? Fuck you. When you seem to understand, I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me! This is my daughter, Murray. I understand you, Katie. Actually, we're all tickled to hear you say that. You should have your revenge. Good night, and always remember, that's my